Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello to everybody who signed up for rugby and nothing was ever the same again. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beautiful Anonymous. Chris Gethard here. We've got a long intro today. If you want to skip it, I get it. It does have info on shows I have coming up, as well as Beautiful Anonymous Plus signups that you can sign up right now, beautifulanonymous.com. But if the intro is not your thing, I'm not offended. It's about 13 minutes long, so if you skip about 12 and a half minutes, you'll land right about where the phone call starts. Thanks so much, and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. And this episode is coming out on Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. We're in a new year. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm so psyched. Want to let you know, I have a bunch of uh, shows. I took a month or so off from doing a lot of shows. And even the shows I was doing were all in New Jersey and surrounding areas. But I'll be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania this Thursday, January 11th. And if you want to come out to that show, it'd be amazing. It's actually a benefit show for the Sync Recovery Community. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization that tries to destigmatize issues surrounding addiction and recovery. It's at one of my all-time favorite venues, Steel Stacks, which is an actual, literal, abandoned foundry that's now an art space. And I'll be performing in the Fowler Blast Furnace Room. So I would love if you came out to that. January 13th, my Jersey people, I'll be in Jersey City. I'll be in San Francisco on the 26th and 27th for Sketchfest. Portland, Oregon, January 28th. Littlefield, Brooklyn, February 3rd. Very special show. Benefit show for my nonprofit, Laughing Together. It's me, Gary Goldman, Claire O'Kane, Christy Summers, Sketch from Business Casual. These people are all great, and all the money goes to support putting mental health services in schools. And then February 15th, I'll be up in Vancouver. It's part of Just for Laughs Vancouver. Anyway, wanted to let you all know about that. Also wanted to let you know, every once in a while, since we've been doing the long intros, one thing that I've done is when I find other podcasts that I think you might get something out of, especially if there's something that might not be on your radar, I'd like to let you know. Um, I, I know I went on a huge tear a couple months back about Cerebro, which is a an X-Men fan podcast that filters a lot of X-Men fandom through a queer lens. And that's not something that you might look for if you're not an X-Men fan, but it is a fantastic show. I went off about that. Also want to let you know, there's a show called What Had Happened Was, and I've listened to every season. Um, and it's a rapper, Open Mike Eagle. He's actually someone I've known over the years. He performed on the Get Third Show a few times. I would say that we are friends. If I ran into him, I would enthusiastically say hello. And it, but it's artist friends, you know, it's like you would cross paths every few years, but I, I think there's some kindred spirits, some kindred love of DIY stuff and underground stuff. And he does this incredible podcast. Every season's really good. He's done seasons with Prince Paul, Dante Ross, LP from, from Run the Jewels, 
and he does multi-season episodes where he interviews the same person every time about their time in hip-hop. This current season is really special. It's with Questlove from The Roots, and it's so worth listening to. So worth listening to. Because Mike is a really good interviewer, and Questlove is so open and forthright and honest on this show, and it's blowing me away. Like I said, if you love hip-hop, you'll love any season of the show. And a lot of people listening, first of all, to go on a little tangent, might be going, hey, Gethard, I thought you were a punk rock guy. Well, hip-hop and punk rock have a lot to do with each other. And as a white guy born in northern New Jersey in the 1980s, if you think... I mean, any punk rock album I had, I probably played Midnight Marauders by Tribe Called Quest just as many times. Black on Both Sides, Most Deaf, the Lyricist Lounge compilations, let alone getting into all the Wu-Tang stuff with the kindred spirits of Staten Island to New Jersey. Uh, I've always thought that a lot of times when you look at when culture is most interesting, it's when both punk rock and hip-hop have thriving underground scenes that emerge up into the mainstream. When both of those things are happening at the same time, those are two connected subcultures. That tends to be when culture is at its most interesting to me. Point being, though, Questlove from The Roots. You love The Roots. You might watch Jimmy Fallon's show and know The Roots from Jimmy Fallon. He talks about everything that happened from from The Roots going back to high school to deep into their career. And so many people who listen to this show, I think, have responded to the idea of being creative, trying to find a way to make a creative life your professional life, finding a way to make a creative hobby, something that you can carve out more time for, for your own fulfillment. These have been very, very long-term running themes on Beautiful Anonymous. The amount of times that Questlove talks about mistakes he made, regrets he has, times where he overthought things and got in his own way, times where he made things more complicated and and also talking about the successes and the joy of that. But the vulnerability with which he talks about all those things is remarkable. So if you're a fan of hip hop, it's a must listen. Even if you're somebody who's like out there thinking to yourself, I'd love to tap into my creativity more. The quest love season of what had happened was should be required listening. And I think you can hear this is not paid. Mike did not ask me to plug him. I am not asking for anything in return. I just think that Open Mike Eagle is a really good guy making a really good show. And I want to send up a signal flare because for anyone who's creative and who understands the ups and downs of that, the self-doubts that come along with it, the the ways that successes can be swallowed up by stress, Questlove, he just speaks so honestly about all of those things and in my mind i'm going you're quest love you're one of the core pieces of the central nervous system of the roots a group that i can't tell you between do you want more and things fall apart i mean i put you got me on a mixtape for my high school sweetheart like this is this is a group that going back 20 five, 30 years I've been listening to. In my mind, the roots are the roots. This is royalty. No one does what the roots can do. And to hear Questlove talk about how even he has had doubts and even he has bobbled the ball along the way. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Kudos to both of, both Questlove for his honesty and Open Mike Eagle for crushing the interviewing in this season. What had happened was 
find it wherever you find your podcasts. Now, speaking of finding podcasts, beautifulanonymous.com, Beautiful Anonymous Plus is up and running. People are really enjoying it. In the Facebook group, you can see the feedback is people going, this is entertaining. Basically, what you get is on any level, uh, the conversation extends a few more minutes, and then you also get five questions with the with the caller to get to know them a little bit more. And it's been very pleasant and lovely and such a nice way to end things. Want to let you know, we are officially at, as of this recording, 511 subscribers, which is nothing to sneeze at. Thank you so much, everybody. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag and let you know that if I can get to 2,500 subscribers within a year of launch, the company that supports Beautiful Anonymous Plus is going to give me a financial bonus that will be a true game changer for myself and my family. So rather than try to be slick or coy about that, I just want to let you know, we are 20% of the way there. And if I can get the numbers to multiply by five in the coming months, it'll be a huge game changer financially for me and my family. So might as well just be honest and put that out there and say that if you're thinking about signing up, man, would it be cool of you? Man, would it be cool of you? Um, just on a very basic level, as far as things like mortgage and having a kid and needing to pay for stuff, it would help. Thank you so much in advance. Today's episode, I have to give some very real uh, content warnings. There's a lot of talk about military action in this. That's something that I might not necessarily always give content warning about, but with current times being what they are and tensions running high regarding conflict in the Middle East right now, there's talk of serving in the Middle East. So I want to give people a heads up. There's talk of self-harm attempts and suicidal ideation. There's talk of sexual misconduct. All of it is handled in a way that is classy and matter of fact. The caller brings these things up in a way that's kind of unbelievable, the strength that the caller demonstrates throughout in regarding these things. But those are a number of topics that I need to let you know that if, if, if you need somebody to tell you to buckle up for those, buckle up because those things are coming. Uh, this caller, I don't think intended to go in the directions that we went in, but the conversation sort of naturally unfolded in ways we didn't predict. The At the end of the day, the call is about someone who grew up in Appalachia and joined the military, which I think is an extremely common story. That's sort of a trope of American life, that there is a region of America that a lot of us think of where there's a little bit of a cliche of, well, one way to advance in life is military. And the Appalachian region, I think, has a, a strong tradition and also a strong stereotype of one of the ways that people can move up in the world is through joining the military. This caller's actually lived that story and tells us how it came to be, how choices were made in the in the moment that were unexpected that led to her winding up in other regions of the world, how things as a member of the military were positive and many ways in which they created trauma and stress. We also talk about Moving on from that life, is that really possible? How she has stayed connected to the military life, post-military, both through her personal life and her professional life. 
It's a really eye-opening call. And one of the things I say in the course of it that I want to reiterate right here at the top is for everyone listening, we all have opinions. And I think the military in America is one of the most politicized things we have. And this idea of supporting the military can be quite divisive, especially in times when the world is at conflict. But I just really want to underline, listen to this person talk about what it was like being a kid, 21 years old, being a kid and winding up in a region of the world fighting for things. And I will invite you, and I flag this during the call. doesn't matter how many years ago it was. You can tell that when this caller thinks about this, let alone speaks about it, she is still living this today. That there are people who make choices that are in the service of others. And they live those experiences every day from that moment forward. You'll hear the tone shift in our caller. And it's one of the reasons that I will say, it's, it's cliche to say that even if you don't support military action, support the troops, it's more layered than that. It's more layered than that. It's because I don't, I don't want ever to have this intro be something that you'd throw on a bumper sticker or on a t-shirt. It's not that. It's to say, when other people give of themselves, this caller is one of the conversations that proves you give of yourself. And oftentimes what you don't realize when you're young and you give of yourself is when you give of yourself, you might not get that back. And I don't think our caller has. And you can hear it in her tone and her voice, let alone in the story she's telling. So just keep in mind what sacrifice is and how real it is in this case. I'll encourage you to do so. I hope you get something out of this call. Again, there's some tough topics in there, so brace yourself if they are things that affect you in a personal way. And most of all, I hope you get something out of it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Are you feeling any type of residual I don't holiday like just for me it's like the holiday hangover but not with the alcohol? Well, a little bit for sure. And we went and visited my parents in Florida so now we're back and it was, you know, it's fun to leave right after the holidays but then you get back and realize, "Oh, but now we have to put all the ornaments away, and take all the Christmas decorations down and clean up the house. And then on top of it, I'll tell you exactly where I'm at, which is I'm really trying to commit to getting healthier. And a lot of that is getting my eating under control. So I haven't had caffeine or sugar in two days. And man, oh my goodness. Man, I, I'm fiending. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't realize how, how much um, sugar is in everything. Absolutely everything. Um, yeah. I am not willing to give up my caffeine yet, but I am also trying to not fly too close to the sun with the pressures society puts on us with resolutions, but just in general, like day in, day out, try to make healthier decisions because I'm not getting any younger. I'm I'm upper 30s now, and I'm feeling it. <laughs> 
Yeah, mine's not a resolution so much as I knew there was no way I was going to go visit my parents and not eat sugar. Um, Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could summarize up 2023 was Florida and back. So I'm in the Appalachian region. um, And my partner is stationed in Florida, um, active duty military. So... I uh I think I flew down to Florida eight times last year. Oh wow. Yeah. So long distance relationship is challenging to say the least, but that's generally what any relationship with somebody in the military is like because inevitably they're going to be gone. So Yeah. Um I actually talked to you on the resolutions call um about co parenting. Um and being a veteran, and actually, I um, my partner's um, ex, her and I actually deployed together um, to Afghanistan um, almost 13 years ago now. Oh, yes. So we Hello. have a unique story. Good to talk to you again. Hello. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, I, guess, I think I got through the year before on the resolutions call, and then I've seen you three times now. So. Oh, nice. I'm really excited to be talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Beautiful Anonymous has been uh, kind of my, not soundtrack, it's just been, everyone's stories have kind of just been so comforting to me in so many lonely moments of traveling or just being in solitude during COVID. Um, I think I've been listening since the beginning, maybe not the very beginning, at least, Seven years. That's so, pretty much the beginning. I'm, I'm really I think honored that, to be that, talking to you. <laughs> yeah, that I'll count that as the beginning. Well, I'm honored to be talking to I you. I think well. I originally, so I know an episode was featured on This American Life. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, our first episode. But I can't. Was there ever one featured on Death, Sex, and Money? Um. I feel we, like that was my launching point. We didn't have beautiful anonymous like wasn't featured on death, sex and money, but I have been a guest on death, sex and money at least twice. Once with my wife, Hallie, and also co-hosted an episode mm-hmm. when Anna was out on maternity leave. Okay. And what a great show. And since you brought it up, I just uh, want to say, and it just, it just it, wrapped up and I was just on the final episode. Yeah. And, I got to okay. say, Anna Sale built a great show. I was greatly inspired by Anna. Anna reached out to me years ago when I hosted my public access show. Her and another podcast host who went on to become quite successful at it, who, I, who shall not be named because I don't want to air it out. They reached out to me and were like, we're trying to do something different through WNYC. Is there any chance we could meet up? Because we're just, we really like your public access show and you're doing your own version of TV. So we first met, we had like a lunch just to put our heads together back when things like that felt possible before, you know, I had a kid and before my career had, had gotten busy and that's how we met. And we've always stayed in touch. And it's funny cause I've probably only talked with Anna Sale in person. I mean, less than 10 times in my life, but I think she and I would both say that we have leaned on each other creatively throughout the years and I didn't get to say this on her final episode, but I will also say this, which is that I fundamentally think that WNYC is a great thing. 
I grew up in the New York area. I think it's vital. I think it's necessary. I also would love to think that WNYC would be a place that supports its workers enough to give Anna her back catalog and RSS feed. And she'd probably be furious at me for saying that publicly, but I just really believe <laughs> in creators. And, and I went through it with Beautiful Anonymous and managed to get those things for myself due to a lawyer not noticing that it was a whole crazy thing. So I got lucky and got mine and that's how my show survived. So I hope that Anna can keep her show going. I hope she gets those things. <sighs> it's not my fight to Me fight, too. but what a beautiful show. What a, what a really incredible person. She um, is. Honestly, between your, your creation, like I truly believe that podcast hosts, you're the, you're the curator in a way, you know, you're, you're the host, but you're, you're steering the ship too. And I truly believe that that content, it, it truly b- belongs to you. So I, I hope the same for her between beautiful anonymous and death sex and money and a couple of her other podcasts. It's just been pivotal, honestly, in my emotional mental health journey. Um, I spend a lot of time by myself and often crave human connection, but I'm just awkward (laughs) and turn to alcohol a lot for Mm. social lubricant. And I can't say I'm entirely sober, but I've been really trying hard to steer away from using that as a crutch. And sometimes I just, I just want to hear from people, but venturing out into the world without that crutch is um, really scary for me. So I hear you. um, Yeah. I think it's just so the conversations that are had on, on your platform and then just other podcasts, it's, it's been a game changer for me to not feel so alone, you know? So, well, there's a loneliness um, epidemic right now. I mean, this is a thing that, It's it's being Mm -hmm. written about more and more. And I think it's very real. I think we are living in a world where a lot of people are becoming more and more conditioned to go through entire days where you go to your office, you go to the supermarket, you go to the gym, you're in these environments where there's a lot of people around you and you do not connect with them on any sort of substantial level. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. It's unhealthy. I I got AirPods last. It's so unhealthy. They think, I can't remember the exact study, but they were um, equating like loneliness to the damage that cigarettes, yeah. like if you smoke for a long time, can have to your literal body. And that's something else I gave up last year. Uh, I smoked for 10 years and I'm almost eight months um, cigarette free. So congrats. I hear you on giving up the caffeine and the sugar and processed foods. It's like, how do we just live in a world where we're raw dogging it you know without any like substances whatever it is you know an addiction can be so many things it's not just drugs and alcohol it can be porn it can be sugar it can be scrolling on social media there's just so much consumption and then sometimes i think our brain we overload it on pleasure and then it responds by giving us as much pain so i think you're right like, right. why are we wired like this? Yeah. Um, 
And I'd like to think, you know, I certainly got it from Anna's show at times in my life, that feeling of like, I can throw this on and be less alone. It doesn't replace human interaction, but this show has a good heart and a good mission. Mm. And and I'd like to think that Mm -hmm. Beautiful Anonymous is in a similar undefinable category of shows that maybe live slightly off the radar of the big attention getters, but that serve a function to help the people who, who love them feel like they're connecting with other people via this medium as we live in a world where we are constantly on devices. So anyway, Mm -hmm. anyway, I want to hear, okay, let's get to the juicy stuff. Oh, go last year. What? Yes. The juicy stuff. I just, yeah. Um, last year I got AirPods, like the noise canceling ones. And I was like, how did I exist without these? But then I do realize it just kind of puts me in a further bubble sometimes. Um, I do silly things like go into Walmart and I'm like, okay, instead of having a panic attack and leaving my grocery cart, my buggy, as we say, (laughs) my buggy full of items here for someone to have to put away. Um, let's like listen to like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack and act like I'm on a side quest looking for toilet paper. (laughs) But at the same time, I feel like it just further isolates me from interactions with people, which I really want, but I don't excel at necessarily. (laughs) Yeah. But we all feel that way. I think that's Um, how all of us feel these days. Yeah. Um, but the juicy stuff, the way I got to be the way I am. Um, so, like I said, I'm from um, I'm from Appalachia. Um, I don't think I have a very strong accent. I've got I've had some media training, so I've learned to neutralize my accent. Usually, I talk in a very straightforward manner. I'm a little bit nervous right now, so um, I. This region of the United States, uh, one of the counties in my state, is known to be the poorest county in the United States. It was brought up multiple times in the 2016 election. Um, One of our terms is, as the crow flies, it's only, uh, I think, maybe 80 miles from where I currently live, but it takes three hours to get there. Because you're carving through mountains and back roads. So that kind of lays the scene for where I grew up. Um, and I I joined the Army, um, Army National Guard, when I was 20 years old. And this was the, let's see, the mid-2000s. And it changed my entire trajectory in my life. I can imagine. I can imagine. So I grew up um, with parents who really, like, they they demonstrated a lot of unhealthy behavior around food, uh, emotional eaters, binge eaters. Um, I just, I remember there was just stacks of little Debbie cakes in my dad's closet. And, of course, I wasn't allowed to go in there, but I would, like, you know, go take a peek. And maybe steal a box. So as a young kid, I was like already hoarding hoarding food. Um, and that progressed into like high school years. Um, developed a very very unhealthy relationship with food, disordered eating. Um, 
and I was quite overweight. Uh, I think I went into college. Um, a BMI is such an archaic scale of health, so I won't even use that, but I was really unhealthy. And I started playing rugby um, as my first sport ever my freshman year of college really? and lost a yeah, rugby of all sports. Like, I think I looked at it like, oh, well, these women playing are, and I, I look back at it now, like, they were so strong. But to me, they, it was like not the idealistic athletic figure that I like had in my brain. Like you're not an athlete unless you look like this. And I was like, maybe I could play that. And I was dating a guy at the time who was like, there's no way you're going to like even get up for practice. And I proved him wrong. And, uh, I lost like a substantial amount of weight and like kind of understood the benefit of exercise for the first time in my entire life. And so that led me to finding the courage to join the military at 20. So I was a sophomore in college. And rugby is a sport where I've had, I've had friends who have played. It's not the most popular sport in the States, but a lot of it is you physically get out there and beat the holy hell out of each other. But then afterwards, it's an understood thing that the two teams are going to go out and grab some drinks and bond. And it is kind of like a gang oh, fight, yeah. but then you're friends afterwards, right? Pretty much. I think people play rugby to, like, drink beer afterwards. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And so if you can imagine, um, so at my, my university, smaller school, not public school still, um, there's, you know, the frat row, the the row of houses that are, is known as frat row, and our rugby house is right in the middle of it. And, um, uh, yeah, it was incredible. It gave me a sense of teamwork for the first time ever, um, which really lent, it lent itself well for me joining the military. Um, but I, I, I surprised every person in my entire life. They're like, you did what? Because I was this awkward emo kid in high school who, you know, just, could barely hold a conversation with somebody. And here I am two years later, which seemed like an eternity at the time. Uh, I'm going to, to boot camp, you know? Um, and, and what year was it so, that you went to boot camp? 2008, January, actually January 8th, 2008. Mm-hmm. So that is, I mean, we're in the thick of, you know what you're yeah. signing up for when you sign yeah. up for the military in 2008. Yeah. This is, Things have not, I mean, things have only cooled down really. I mean, have they even cooled down? Is it fair to say? But back then. They haven't. They're they're increasing. Really? Mm -hmm. So I went to boot camp. Uh, I went to my what's called AIT, Advanced Individual Training, which I was very, um, so I was originally going to school for journalism. And then I'm in school and I'm like, I am terrified to talk to people. How am I going to interview people as a journalist? Uh, over time, have gotten more and more comfortable with that. Um, so I chose um, what's called public affairs in the military, so the army, um, as my job, and um, went to basic training, AIT. I got back, I think August 
of 2008, did another semester of school, uh, another semester of school, and that next June, uh, we deployed So you must have, to Afghanistan. You must have understood when you joined, you know, I think some, you mentioned National Guard, I believe. Yeah, National Guard. So are you familiar with the difference between, like, the three components of, let's just say, the Army? So there's the active duty Army, Army Reserves, and the National Army National Guard. Um, to a degree. Are I'm, you familiar with the different active, yeah. active duty sort of explains itself. Reserves is you've served some time, you're on call, but you're not, you know, you will be called up as necessary. So you can actually join... You can as, just as join reserves. the Army Reserves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so every state, and then um, Guam, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands has their own National Guard. So it's Air and Army. And you can be federally activated. You go through the same training as active duty Army. However, you also serve your state. So the, uh, the governor of each state can call up the National Guard. In times of natural disasters, you see it with, unfortunately, the border situation. Um, riots. Sometimes we go to other states to assist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Riots. Um, everything that happened on January 6th, which is tomorrow. Um, D.C. has a National Guard as well. So it's kind of a dual mission. Um, you're serving your state and your country. Now, when you um, sign up in 2008, though, you must have a good feeling that you're probably going to be deployed. Well, the interesting thing as to increase numbers, knowing that Iraq and Afghanistan and potentially other conflicts were going to persist for more than the given time period, my contract had uh, a clause in it that said that if I was in college, I could deter deploying for two years. So that was after you completed basic training and AIT. So in my mind, I was like, well, I'll be finished with college in almost two years. And then, you know, I get called up. That's fine. But what was pivotal to me, my unit was so small and I was so close to all of them. I went through all of the pre-deployment training leading up to the deployment. I think we found out in January 2009 that we were going to Afghanistan. It was up until 10 days before we actually left that I changed my mind and decided to go with them. And it was a book of all things that changed my mind. Um, The Kite Runner. The Kite Runner made you go to Afghanistan. The Kite Runner. I've heard good things about that book. It seems like it might be impactful, and maybe I should put it on my list of things to check out. Anyway, now that we've paused, let's go ahead and do some ads. We'll be right back. So happy to tell you once again about our longest-term sponsor, an organization that has supported this show for so many years now, and an organization that I'm happy to talk about because I'm so impressed at the advanced ways in which they have helped change the entire conversation surrounding mental health. I am, of course, talking about Talkspace. Talkspace helps 
people. Okay? People get down. People's lives are affected by their experiences. And people realize at some point that they need to talk to a therapist, but that is a hard process. We all know. I certainly know. As someone who first entered therapy about two decades ago, it was so much harder then. People have gotten so much more forward thinking now. And Talkspace is one of the ways. Talkspace is out here making it easy to find a therapist you like. They make it convenient. You can meet online. That means you can do it from home. You can do it from a place where you are comfortable. And that can make such a massive difference in your life. Therapy in general can make a massive difference in your life, let alone therapy that's designed in a way to fit your comfort zone. It's an incredible thing. Also want to put this out here. Therapy, psychiatry, these are things that traditionally people sometimes feel this barrier of entry that they can't afford them. Well, guess what? Talkspace does everything online. It helps keep those prices affordable, helps keep that access very easy. Accessible and affordable, these are two key things that are are very intimidating in this process. Talkspace is doing their part to barrel down those barriers. So don't wait. Don't wait. Do not sit here and wait until something bad happens. Don't wait until you hit rock bottom. Why do it? Get a therapist now. Get ahead of that. If you see those storm clouds coming, find a therapist through Talkspace. Shift your perspective. Find tools to cope during difficult times. Sign up online, get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you. That usually happens within 48 hours. You can have those virtual sessions from the comfort of your home. That means you don't need to commute. You don't need to miss time at work. You don't need to skip a lunch break. It, it makes it so much easier. You don't need to arrange childcare to make your therapy happen. Okay. Talkspace can help you shift your perspective. Like I said, can help give you some tools to cope with the difficult times, can help guide you through the tough parts. And they also have people who are specifically working in areas of need, things like anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationship issues. They've got people who focus on all of those and who might be able to help right now. And on top of being affordable in general, Talkspace is also in network with most major insurers. So keep that in mind. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off of your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful. If you want to match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Get $80 off your first month. Show your support for the show. Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Get $80 off your first month at Talkspace.com slash beautiful. Thanks to all our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. The kite runner made you go to Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. At 21, I had read it like off and on for a couple of months and I finally finished it. And I was on orders to help them get ready to leave. And I was driving from the town I lived in for college to where my unit was about an hour long drive. And I changed my mind in that hour that I was going to go with them. So I show up, I tell my non-commissioned officer, I'm doing this. And I had pressure that they, they really needed me to go. And, um, he's like, let's go take a walk because he had been to Iraq. And to me, that seemed so long ago. It was probably only like two or three years. So we took a walk and he's like, you know, if you go back in there, you're going to have orders cut in like, 30 minutes or less. And you can't like, you can't reverse this decision. This is your decision to make because you do have this in your contract. 
And I was like, no, I'm doing it. I, I want to do this. And we went back in and told the officer of our units that I wanted to go. And sure enough, I think it was like 20 minutes later, had orders printed. And I had to go back to my apartment an hour away. And I think I posted my furniture that I had like on whatever the equivalent of like Craigslist or Facebook marketplace was at the time. Yeah. And called my, my mom and dad. And I was like, so I changed my mind and I'm leaving in like two weeks. Um, and in those two weeks, I managed to make a trip to Bonnaroo. If you're familiar with that, the music festival. Oh, I've had some bad times at Bonnaroo. Some good times and some bad times. Yeah. Oh, I will never go back to Bonnaroo. Oh, I, I mean, well, if you're about to head like to everyone's war. Everyone's doing drugs there. Yeah. I mean, if you need to get them out of your system. Everyone's doing drugs there. Yeah, you're telling like, me. I can't, I can't, I can't smoke weed or, you know, I can't do any of these things. I'm about to, like, get drug tested before we leave. But it gave uh, me a great concept of what. You went to and had to be on military standards. Yeah, but muddy porta potties and just uh, yeah, yeah. I, so I, then I ate Molly in one of those muddy porta potties as I fell off the wagon at Bonnaroo years. Oh ago. no, Chris, no! It's not a great scene, but it's okay. It was lovely. No, it was it's lovely okay. until it we wasn't. Survived it. It was lovely until it wasn't. Let's put it like that. Anyway, so you go to Bonnaroo. You're about to deploy. I go to la- Bonnaroo. Your last then... taste of America. Big swing with a music festival. Yeah, where I can't partake in, at the time, things I would have enjoyed. Um, but, yeah, I left um, within two weeks. And of all places that they sent us for our pre-mob, pre-mobilization, pre-mob, New Jersey. Sorry, that's the only experience I really have for New Jersey no, is at Fort Dix. Is that Fort? I was going to ask Fort Dix, yeah. yeah. And I- I know McGuire's yeah, Air Force Base. Yeah, that's where we Fort left Dix. from. Yeah. So you you left from my home state of New Jersey to mm-hmm. Afghanistan. And flew, I think we stopped in Shannon, I, Shannon Island, Ireland. That's a big... Um, I know, that was cool. They're like, you can have a beer. I flew home from Shannon. That was a trick when I went to Ireland. Somebody was like, you should think about flying home from Shannon so you don't have to deal with Dublin and the big city. Like, it's... It's a more chill airport and they fly direct and it was all military and it was like, oh, whoa, yeah, this is like mm-hmm. the American military keeps this. Yeah. And at the time business. we flew in our uniforms. Yeah. They were everywhere. So you stop in Ireland, you get to Afghanistan. You're on two weeks, two weeks yeah, ago. I think it was, uh, you didn't think this was happening. You thought you were going to defer. Mm-mm, nope. I didn't think it was happening because I, I made the choice. I made the active choice. I did have the choice to stay back. Yeah. And I chose to go because of the kite runner <laughs> and a sense of just being with my people. Yeah, of course. Cause I was already that close to them after a year. Um, I had never felt so close to a group of people. Like we were, we only deployed a six people. Okay. Um, as a public affairs detachment. So <laughs> we get there, I think it was Ireland then Romania and then, someplace near Russia. <laughs> we had airspace there, then Afghanistan. And we land. Um, and essentially like when you landed in Bagram, it's like a bowl 
there's mountains everywhere and there's just like kind of a valley. And we had a spiral down because they were afraid of um, planes, the like C-130s or bigger aircraft getting rocketed from the mountains. So we land, I feel absolutely nauseous and it's just hot and it's already just confusion the second we land. Um, so I was with our, our officer and then the other people with me included, um, two other women and then, um, well, there was five of us. There's only five of us. Um, so the officer, who's a man, my friend, who is also a man, and three women, like me, somebody else, and another one. So we get there, and they split us all up. We're attached to Special Operations Command. So I'm in one place for about two weeks, and then go half, well, near the um, Iran border, and um, Helmand, Helmand area, Herat, and I'm by myself as a woman, 21 years old, in a camp of 400 men. You're the only woman in a camp of 400 men? 400 men. Probably, say, three to 400. Mm-hmm. That, that's, uh, so I have to imagine, not ideal. Green Berets. No, no. It, it, to this day, I'm like, what? what the hell were they thinking? Like, it was not safe for me. Um, Chris, I had, I think, 15 minutes in a bathroom trailer that was over a football field away from my tent in the mornings. I think at, like, 4.30. That's when I had time to myself to use a bathroom that still didn't lock without genitalia in my face essentially wow and that walk alone from my tent there was arduous every day because i i have people approaching me literally just for sexual favors really yes it was it it was shocking and for me as a woman at that age who had had such a hard time with body image issues and really somewhat limited like sexual experiences it was so confusing because part of me actually enjoyed the attention a little bit but then it also felt so nefarious and um there's a there's a lot that's said about women in Iraq and Afghanistan especially in the early 2000s into like about my time period they called them like desert princesses um, God forbid somebody enjoy a sexual experience with somebody in a very isolated environment, but <laughs> the men are praised for it, but the women were, you know, you're a slut, you're a whore, you're this and that. And, um, something really bad happened to me while I was there. Um, I don't want to get into all the details about it, but, um, my trust was completely violated by somebody that I thought was my friend there. And, um, so not only do I have, I have PTSD from rocket attacks, I have a bronze star, a combat action badge. Like I was in the thick of it, taking photographs 
and escorting media, but something also very intimately bad happened to me while I was there. And, I'm so um, sorry. You know, I think a lot has changed in the military since then, and I'm really grateful for that um, for women and men because honestly, there's sexual assault on men too, and it's not talked about. But I was put in a really precarious situation, and I chose to be there. And I've beat myself up over it for a long time because I thought maybe it was my fault. And I know now it's not, but um, that happened. And when it happened, I didn't report it because who was I going to report it to? Um, There was alcohol involved because there was alcohol there. There was a lot of alcohol there. Um. But I don't think that's something that people, like, realize. They're like, oh, you're, like, in the Middle East. Like, you're on deployment. How is there alcohol? There was so much alcohol everywhere. You're with – at the time, like, NATO was there. Um, ISAF, I think is what it's called, International Support Force. So there was, like, Italians. There's so much alcohol. And um, that happened, and they moved me to a different base. So now I'm starting all over um, by myself again, not with so many men, but still the support system's gone. So, yeah, that's part of my Afghanistan experience. Wow. That's horrible. I mean, war war is a fundamentally awful thing. It is hell. And then to hear this is all the stuff you were dealing with just on the base you were assigned to. Yeah. And, you know, in between all those moments, there was, there was beauty. I fell in love with the Afghan people. Um, I, I loved our translator. It was a woman who, she showed me pictures of, like, her, and she was, like, in her, t- probably, like, 20s in um, the 50s and 60s in Kabul, like, wearing, like, really stylish outfits and just how much the Taliban wrecked their society, especially for women. Um, I got to take pictures of, so the majority of what I did there was photograph things. Um, I got to photograph like medical um, clinics and kids and just, there's so many lovely moments in, in, in between all the trauma, honestly. And I don't regret going still. I don't regret that decision. But it has, like I said earlier, it changed the trajectory in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine it was going to do that no matter I how. Never, and then it was traumatizing. Right. And then so many of the moments while you're deployed, it's just boredom. You're just bored. You miss home. There's What do you do? You work out. You play cards, you play video games, you watch movies. To this day, I still prefer to watch a show or movie on my laptop than on the TV <laughs> because that was like your little cocoon. Right, right. And now along the way, while you're there, you mentioned you served with a woman because we're over halfway done. So I want to make sure 
I get this story on this. So you yeah. served with a woman. So and... yeah, I deployed with. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she went on to, I think a year after we got back, she deployed again to the Middle East with her husband. And they, we, let's see, 2013, they had their first son. And there's actually a picture of me in their home holding him. Um, he was like two months old. Um, I end up moving to California for a year. I met somebody in the Marine Corps, um, moved from my state out to California. That relationship was doomed to fail as soon as it began. But, you know, I, I, I think I was trying to escape a lot of my hurt. And California, Southern California, San Diego, that's exciting. Um, yeah. So now, there's a there, picture of me holding their oldest son. Are there a lot of Army veterans right Sorry, now listening yeah. going, well, you dated a Marine, right? Isn't that a whole rivalry? <laughs> Aren't there a lot of people going, of course it was doomed. Oh, You're shacking up I, with a Marine? I, yeah. Well, he was a real winner. He, My dad passed away um, about, so I moved out there in like September. My dad passed away in February. He actually got um, a DUI the day of my dad's memorial and was in, like, the brig, as they would say, for, like, 12 hours. So wasn't there for me at all. Um, anyway, nothing against the Marines. I have a lot of Marine friends who are amazing. I but kid. there is I, the I just know there's inner a inner branch. It's like, right. Yeah, I, I can't the make last a, thing I I'm trying to do, listen, a crown joke. Let me just go on record here and say the last thing I'm trying to do is piss off Marines. Okay? Last thing. Oh, we don't want to do that. There, there are amazing Marines out there, and the stereotype is not completely true. They're, their service is even more difficult than, I'd say, the Army. I should have joined the Air Force. We should have all joined the Air Force. Um, but, yeah, so... I have this picture of me holding this baby and, you know, it was very close to her and her husband who had joined the military right before we um, left for deployment. And, you know, I knew him. I thought very well of him, didn't know him personally. And then after I moved back from California, that friendship grew um, between him and I because I actually ended up working for the National Guard um, as a federal employee, and his career was advancing. Her and I grew a little bit more distant, and that friendship persisted, and they went on to have another child, and then she deployed, and then he deployed, think collectively between all three of us, we have like seven or eight deployments between all of us. Um, I left the military in 2019, um, went on to work for the VA. Uh, I work at a VA medical center. So I still serve veterans in my capacity and their relationship ended. And last, last spring, I went out and he hosted me for a weekend and I love it because it was so pure. There was never anything between us that was 
improper. And even that visit, um, he hosted me, but nothing happened, but there was chemistry. And I returned home. I ended my four-year relationship, and we decided to give it a go. So now we are here in the new year. We just all spent Christmas together and trying to be a good fit in with co-parenting and figuring that out. And now you served with his ex. They have a kid together. His you ex-wife, yeah. You mm-hmm. mentioned you have an intense closeness with the people that you served with. Do you call her up? Do you say, so, hey, here's a thing that I want to run past you? Or do you get into it and deal with it afterwards? How does that go? Um, I didn't. I hadn't talked to her for a while. We did have, like, I would say a falling apart. We just grew apart. And... I let him handle that mm-hmm. um, because I'm the first person he's been in a relationship with since they got divorced. They were married for a long time, over a decade. And it's gone really well, actually. Really? What's her reaction when she finds out? Um, she was a little shocked, but... I think she maybe finds comfort in knowing that the person around her children is somebody that she trusts. She knows my character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a weird dynamic. It is. I mean, we give each other hugs. We, I don't know. It's just, it it's like, I know her so intensely, but it's from, a long time ago and in a different place, if that makes sense. And was she one of that small handful of people that you trained with? I mean, you mentioned there was this group you felt so close with, and that's why yeah. you didn't defer. She was one of those five or yeah. six people? Yeah. There's there's pictures of us in New Jersey um, before we left. Um, so... I think very highly of her. She's incredible. She's overcame a lot of things and their boys are so, they're, they're so precious. And I'm new to this whole parenting thing. Like I was really on the fence. If I wanted children myself, I have had a couple of miscarriages. I've sorry. I've chosen what's, now illegal in a lot of states for myself on one occasion. And I I just, I never thought I would have the chance to be like in a parental figure role. And I'm still really new to it, but I'm learning so much and I love it. Like it's just so incredible. And how does it work as far as, because you mentioned your partner's in Florida. If I remember right, you're not in Florida. I'm not sure where the kid's mom is these days. So how does the breakdown of of your co-parenting responsibilities work? Um, It's, I think a lot of people would find it strange, but it's actually really common for military that they essentially have 50-50, but it's based on the school year. Um, and that's going to have to change 
essentially as they get older, going into like middle school and high school, I think, because it's not fair to ask kids to like switch schools every year, obviously. Yeah. Um, but she flies a lot. I fly a lot. We drive a lot. Um, we're all in three different places. So. Yeah, it's not conventional, but we're making it work. It's not conventional, but we're making it work. That's a good point to pause because that is a description of so many people's realities, right? What is conventional in 2024? We're in 2024 now. Conventional? Who ever heard of such a thing? Hey, we'll be right back. Resolutions in the new year, right? They can be dangerous. They put pressure on things. But a lot of people are thinking about food-based resolutions right now. And I get why, because Thanksgiving... Christmas, Hanukkah, family gatherings, desserts everywhere. You're traveling, you're eating out a lot. A lot of people this time of year are going, I got to focus up, get my eating healthy, focused. I'm in the process right now. And I'm so happy to tell you one organization out there that can help so much is Factor. Factor is legit, everybody. It's a ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Takes all the stress out of meal planning. They're going to help set you up for success on getting back in track in the new year with healthy eating. So if you don't want to make endless trips to the grocery stores, you don't want to do a ton of prep work in the kitchen, you don't want to be exhausted after a whole day of cooking, Factor is here to help. You can get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. And there's over 35 meals to choose from each week. We've got calorie-smart meals, vegan, vegetarian, all sorts of diets are accounted for, over 55 weekly add-ons. And so essentially what I'm talking about here, and I'm going to go off book because I've had Factor meals. They're meals that you can prepare in just a few minutes. They've been prepped for you. Now you're probably thinking of that as some dinky frozen thing you grab from a supermarket case that's frozen like a solid block of ice. No. Imagine the most high-end, well-thought-out, classy version of that, and you're still just kind of approaching how good Factor gets. Factor has two-minute meals, and I've had them. After two minutes of prep, you're eating a meal where you're like, this tastes like something I would order at a restaurant. And on top of meals, let's not forget, Factor also has snack options, breakfast options, smoothies, juices, all sorts of things to keep you going, no matter where your schedule is at. So skip the overpriced takeout. Factor's cheaper than takeout, and it's way more quality and tastes better. It's chef-crafted. Like I said, this is restaurant quality stuff and it can be ready in two minutes. So if you're someone who has a busy life, you got work, you got hobbies, you got kids, you got all sorts of stuff to balance, Factor can really, really help. When when life is hectic, Factor's flexible. You can change up your order every week. You can get anywhere from four to 18 meals delivered per week. You can pause, you can reschedule if you're traveling. You can lose so much of the stress that comes around mealtimes. And they can help you stay on top of your goals, okay? Pick one of those specific diets. They can help fast track it, make it easy for you. Everything you need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats, ready-to-eat meals, juices, smoothies, energy bites, snacks, veggie sides, Factor has you covered. Head to factormeals.com slash beautiful50. Use the code beautiful50. You'll get 50% off. That code is beautiful50 at factormeals.com slash beautiful50 to get 50% off. Thanks to all our advertisers. Now let's finish off the phone call. 
it's not conventional, but we're making it work. Wow. Wow. And is it, I mean, you still work with veterans. You're still in the world of the military because of this. But I also have to imagine, too, there's also another dynamic of you're done actively serving. You're still with people who are, that must bring up so many, you know, you're at a certain point of processing your involvement in the military, your deployments. You're with other people who are still in a world that must feel like your past. That's got to be strange in its own right. It is. Um, I think so. April will be five years that I've been out. But every day I wake up and I help take care of veterans. It's, I don't really know anything else. It's, I have to sometimes quietly reflect on the fact that so many people are so removed from this lifestyle. And I, I never knew as a young person, as you know, a teenager, young, like 20 years old, that this would be my 20 years in almost now that I, this is my life. Yeah. Especially um, with, um, and I'm not going to lie. Like, so, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, please. You're not going to lie. What? It's hard sometimes. The personal versus professional border gets blurry sometimes where it's like, okay, I really want to help this person, but I'm experiencing similar things. Um, Sometimes I question, sometimes I just like want to like go be a beekeeper (laughs) or grow (laughs) lavender in a field. Maybe like adopt one of those like cows, the like Scottish Highland cows. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how, I think I've just accepted that. Um, this is just part of who I am now. I'm also wondering, I think you're the first person I've spoken to who served in Afghanistan since we left. And that was so, Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I I think that's correct. Um, yeah, um, must have some feelings. It was August. 31st. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Sometimes the COVID years like just blur. Um, believe it was a year ago and well, a year last year, August 31st, 2022 was the last day we were there. And, um, I had to call the veterans crisis line that, that in that time period within that week, I just felt so much guilt and I, did I do enough? Did I keep up with the people I'm supposed to? Um, thinking about our interpreter and translators, people I like mentored there, the women. I look at pictures of the children I, that I captured, and I'm like, what's your life like now? It's because they're, te- they're, they're young adults. Are you alive? Are you thriving? Or <laughs> like, what what's your life like now? And I have no way of knowing. And I took some amazing photographs in Afghanistan, especially of children. And um, yeah, I can't dwell on it too much. Yeah. But I, I, I wonder how they perceive us 
um, there's so much in Afghanistan, like so many people in the further out villages, like just, well, just in general, they were like, what's nine 11? What's what are you Russian? Like they just know occupation. And it's that kind of arrogance of, as Americans, we're like, oh, we're here to do good. Well, are you, are you here to do, to do good things? So that's like the moral injury that a lot of veterans have. Um, and there's no real way of like rectifying that. You, you can't find answers. Yeah. I wonder what you think too, because you know, the, the footage, and the stories that came out of our exit, it was, it was chaos. And a lot of people say that it's a stain and a lot of, you know, a lot of people feel like, well, at some point we had to exit that place and we got out and that's ultimately a good thing. I I wonder what you're left thinking, having been there, having met people, having, having served. I don't, I don't have a answer, honestly. I think that's what is hard is there's there's no resolution. Um, I it was just doomed. It was doomed to fail, and it's really disheartening to watch everything unfolding in the Middle East currently. Again, back to like my partner is involved with things there now and they you know they have to go back and that's hard it it is kind of like can't quite leave it behind and I don't want to either I have to say I'm not trying to make it I, I just am struck by the fact that when we started talking you had a certain energy and the more you've talked about your time there and the effect I can I can feel the emotional impact. And I don't know if it's too simple to say sadness, but I, I can feel a difference in tone now that we've talked about this. And, uh, well, it might be part of my nervous energy wearing off, but <laughs> I can sometimes come across as mania, but manic behavior, but, um, yeah, there is sadness that lingers. It's kind of like my ghost that follows me around. I mean, I am left thinking. I think about, a lot of veterans might feel that way. I bet, and and I was just going to echo that and say, you know, we throw around this word of sacrifice so often when it comes to our veterans, and I think it's very obvious politically. I'm someone who would prefer that there be. I, I think war and and killing it never leads to good, but at the same time, I can also say that you were 21 years old and you went up, you, you went there and you gave so much of yourself and hearing the shift in tone and hearing how it obviously affected you and hearing how you're here telling me the facts and the timeline, but I can feel the weight of those emotions and how they still take from you. That's the sacrifice that you have to always respect no matter where you land politically in your opinions on America's military military involvement all Mm -hmm. over the world. I can hear that you as a 21 year old went and gave up a part of yourself that you are not going to get back. 
And knowing that you now also work in a capacity of helping other people navigate the truth of that and the impact of that and how to move forward from that, it's really remarkable. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. I don't feel like I don't know how to help veterans without being a veteran, although there are many amazing employees within just the VA and our stakeholders, our veteran service organizations who aren't veterans. But if you don't know, you don't know. It's one of those circumstances. Yeah. And then also service is only limited. Like what I saw and did and experienced is only one sliver compared to the millions of people who've served. But when I'm talking to a Vietnam veteran, you know, we were held as heroes when we came home. I can't imagine what they went through. Especially men who were like drafted. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure you still, in the VA capacity, services for Vietnam vets must still be omnipresent today, I'd imagine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we're losing them left and right. Uh, in my region that I live in, it's a more impoverished area. Um, life expectancy is not as long. Um, there's a lot of substance abuse, like just like being rural, um, lacking transportation to medical care. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to see day in and day out. And it's all because you signed up to play rugby. If it wasn't for damned rugby. I played rugby. <laughs> sign up for rugby. Played rugby, say, changed oh, my life. Maybe this, is a way to, maybe this is a way to get athletic without having to fit the mold I have in my mind of what an athlete looks like. Next thing you know, mm-hmm. your whole life is defined by your experience. I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but there's also, it's wild to think that that was the beginning of the story. I really think about that car ride from my college town to my unit, because that's when I, I changed my mind. I don't know what life I would be living now. However, I am a more cultured appreciative person for the experience of experiences I've had. I guess I wouldn't change it. You wouldn't. I was just going to ask, you said before that you wouldn't, you don't regret it, but now you'd even go so far as to say you wouldn't change it. I don't think I'd change it, but there's things I wish I could change, but the overall life I've had the last 20 years, I wouldn't change it. Are there, I think, oh, sorry, God. Oh, no, please, please go for it. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting here petting my, uh, I have a German shepherd named Charlie and he's almost 10 years old now. And I got him because a service dog, um, in Afghanistan saved our lives. And I was just really drawn to like Belgian Malinois and German Shepherds, and I got him without really knowing what I was in for, for such a high-intense breed, and I've almost had him for 10 years now, and he 
he's a joy in my life. You know, he's getting older. He's slowing down. And uh, when Andrea and I got on the phone, he was barking at the DoorDash delivery driver because I got DoorDash for lunch to reward myself for getting through the week after the holidays. And I I wouldn't have, I probably would have never gotten Charlie. Um, How did a dog save your life? I have so many. um, I tried to unalive myself in 2018. And um, he jumped on my bed and I was almost, was fading out after taking some prescription pain medicine I had from breaking my ankle. And he licked my face and I was like, I don't have a plan for you. What am I doing? And I could barely lift my head up, but I called a friend who ended up calling 911 and I went through some. Th- I went through intensive therapy, and yeah. So my my dog literally saved my life because I would have probably just passed. But I realized he he mattered to me more than I did at the time. But I guess part of me mattered too. Wow, that's that's a very real answer. I thought you were going to say mm-hmm. like it sniffed out he literally a roadside saved my mine or a bomb, but that's much more the reality. I mean, both are the reality for a lot of people, but for so many veterans, it's your story that's it's a very common story. It's the the understanding I have as a civilian. Guess what I would want people to take from this is. Maybe ask veterans their story or I'd like to bridge the gap of understanding between civilians and the military community. And that's something that I think is lacking in the space that exists. There's so many nonprofits out there for veterans. And I've been thinking about how I can help people better understand things. I think that's what's lacking. Maybe it's just understanding. We have all these pictures in our mind of what veterans are and what they do, or you know, they wear their hats, they wave their flags. But we're real people with real backstories. Um, and I thought I was going to get on this call today, thinking or talking more about my co-parenting situation with my partner, who I do want to marry someday, and be in his kids' lives and be a good co-parent, but also my story too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I also will say too, and I, Oh, go for it. I just, I hear like, there's been so many times I've just listened to other people's stories on this platform where I'm like, thank you for sharing. Like I want to fly a plane in, in Alaska or <laughs> be a dog walker or sell sex toys in Las Vegas. Like it just makes me feel so less alone in my unique story. I guess I guess we have so many unique stories to tell. 100%. And I I think one of the strangest things about American society 
and its relationship with the American military is how separate the military feels from civilian life and how, unless you live in an area with a base or, or that has a military component, there's so many things about the military. The military can operate without civilians having to think about it. There's aspects of the military that when you learn about them, you go, Oh, I had no idea as an American, like I did a PTO show and I was on an army base where I was shocked to see. And the commander of the base was telling me how many people who serve right now are from other countries who are coming to America to serve in the American military. And I'm sitting here going, I had no idea. And I'm seeing it with my own eyes and I'm talking with a commander about it. And that's cool to know. And, but I think most people don't, and I'm sure there's a million things I don't know. And that idea that because you served, you feel separate. And it makes me laugh to hear you bring up selling sex toys in Vegas or dog walking and, and these calls, but to hear that those lives feel separate from yours. I, I do think you are as much a part of the story this show has told over the years, if not more so. And if anything, that, that sense of separation I can hear in your voice, it breaks my heart because you are effectively going through so much and doing all those things. So people like me can podcast or people like our friend in Vegas can sell sex toys. And we're able to do that. Like I said, do I agree with everything the American military does? Not by a long shot, but does the fact that I don't either. I don't either. Yeah, believe me. In my uh, dealings talking with military people, there's truth to that. But the idea that you at the age of 21 gave so much of yourself so that I can do this, I I do have to thank you. And I know it's trite to say thank you for your service, but on a much deeper level, I can hear how much you sacrificed in your life at a very young age. And I don't take it lightly. And I thank you for it. Thank you for that. Listeners, I'm actually going to jump in right now and let you know that we had that very nice natural goodbye. And then we just continued talking about some stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and let you know that if you want to hear the rest of what we talked about, closing out this conversation, a few more very thoughtful points as well as five questions with the caller sign up for beautiful anonymous plus at beautifulanonymous.com thanks to everybody who has signed up already caller thank you so much for calling and sharing i know that did not go in all the directions you thought it would and some of the ones that went in instead were darker but i really think there's so much to be said for the reality of sacrifice and the reality of what you did and being able to hear you in your own words talk about your experiences the good ones the awful ones the unexpected ones it's really valuable and a really good reminder of how this country works sometimes so thank you so much for opening up thank you to the high priestess of beautiful anonymous andrea quinn produces the show thank you to shell shag for our theme song if you want to know more about me including my upcoming tour dates chrisgeth.com for all that don't forget, we have a voicemail line. If you have a story that you want on the show and our usual recording times don't work for you, which, by the way, most of the recording times I pick because that's when Cal's at school. That's the trick. Okay. Uh, 973-306-4676. If you have a story that's notable, if you have a voice that you feel is underrepresented on the show, we want to hear from you. 973-306-4676. Leave a voicemail. Let us know. We'll be in touch. Follow us on Instagram at Pod. Yeah.
This week on Beautiful Anonymous Plus, here's some of what you'll get from the five questions. My parents let me meet my own boyfriend who lived in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and the first time I ever went to New York City to see Katie Couric in, in person. Former Beautiful Anonymous co-host, one of our only two co-hosts we've ever had, Katie Couric. Wait, I missed that. Katie Kirk was a what? Yeah, in the early days of that the show. That was my entire inspiration to becoming a journalist, although I was terrified to talk to people. Yeah. And that was my entire trajectory of my entire life. Katie Kirk was a host? Yes, there was early thought with once the show blew up in the early days, our old network, one of the things they had was what if we bring in some guest hosts and they can sit with you in the studio and we'll go through the format of the show and you'll share it with them. And those will be like event episodes. And we did one with Hannibal Burris, great comedian. And the other was Katie Couric was in the process of starting a podcast on Earwolf. And they thought my audience and her audience would have crossover. So they had me and Katie Couric do a call together and our fan base. I didn't know that. I'm, I also, have to go find that. Also, now. it's so funny. You're now back to the energy you had at the beginning. I had mentioned that your energy changed the more we talked about your military experience. The mention of Katie yeah. Couric has brought you back to peak energy. The fan base oh, hated Katie it. They, I'm like, Katie Couric's like a, a journalist icon, like an American icon. They were like, nope, we just want you on the phones. No, that's the entire reason I went to school. Was to emulate Katie Couric. Don't forget to sign up for Beautiful Anonymous Plus at BeautifulAnonymous.com.